Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to Why Are You Like This? Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am delighted to have one of my crushes on the pod this week. Today's guest is a writer and a comedian whose work you've seen in almost every queer publication that's ever existed ever. Uh, A man who is always willing to host, please welcome to the mic, Gabe Gonzalez. Hi. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you for that illustrious introduction. I'm like, oh, I have to update my resume now. It should, that's really, it's just one bullet point. It's every queer publication that's ever been funded for a year and a half and then maybe shut down and then maybe purchased by someone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really easy read, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's, oh no, it rolls right off the tongue. That's the key does. to resumes. You want to make it just fast and easy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, what have you been up to? Oh my gosh. Um, a, a lot and nothing uh, mm-hmm. somehow, which is uh, the perpetual curse of, of the creative right now, I guess. Um, yeah, it's been weird. Uh, you know, wrapped up the the QWERTY podcast that we were doing for a while, uh, wrapped that up last month. Um, been doing a lot of like creative projects that I'm kind of juggling back and forth right now. But it's, uh, um, I don't know, you know, it's a weird time during the pandemic getting back into the swing of like, uh, doing stand up. Uh, I'm starting my my own monthly comedy show as well. And so that's been kind of nice. But you know, you got to dip your toes into it right now and, and sort of take it easy. It's it's tough to get audiences out. And, you know, I think conditions are shifting every week. So I don't know, you know, like sending in writing samples, asking people if they want to hire me or make an idea I have on Zoom, which is like, I mean, at least I don't have to walk all the way to an office to have somebody tell me that they're, you know, like That's not true. interested. That's the great part. But yeah, and I don't know, self-tapes have also been very strange uh, during the pandemic as well. Um, Because now instead of just uh, self-tapes, they're like doing a live but uh, video recorded uh, audition thing. That's I've had like two or three lately that are like that, where it's like kind of a Zoom call, but it's a totally separate app um, that I obviously had to learn how to navigate before <laughs> doing, which is great. Just another added step. But again, you know, really nice uh, to not have to go to someone's office on my lunch break in the middle of the workday, right? And and just watch them cringe while I struggle to remember the lines I got the day before. So it's nice. You know what I mean? And there's a silver lining to all of this, maybe. A hundred percent. No, it yeah. is that um 
that strange in between of like me turning this whole bedroom into like a totally normal musical theater space and singing as loud as possible for a, a camera, which is just not what it's meant for. Yeah, right. Um, like, <laughs> it's just truly belting at your camera. And I'm sure your neighbors at this point are like, damn, you know, they must know your your repertoire. They know the, the whole your, they yeah. know the whole book. <laughs> the whole thing. Oh my gosh. No, it is fun to tiptoe back. I uh I did two mics last week and the way i talked about it to my friends you would have thought that i like ran six marathons i was like it was so (laughs) exhausting they were on two separate nights i had a day in between like it's just weird yeah Uh, no it's really strange um i mean yeah i think nightlife and like not quite knowing who else is going to be there like what the venue is going to be like it's always like i don't know that's always there are always so many variables thrown in i think like I don't know doing this like in the midst of a of a pandemic that's not going away and maybe sometimes not getting better it's like an extra layer of like okay well you know we're gonna have eight people show up and we're gonna make sure they're seated really far away and i'm gonna give them the show of their lives it's gonna be fantastic <laughs> like um but i don't know i do think people have been really kind and, and kind of patient and it's just nice like I, I i didn't realize how much i kind of relied on nightlife and and comedy shows to socialize with people mm-hmm. um especially as like a freelancer when so much of my work was already being done from home which was you know a luxury uh for the most part um and so i don't know you know it's uh it's just nice to see people i know no it is (laughs) first person to have that thought but like it is (laughs) i'm just like i don't i don't care if i didn't like you that much before this is great there are a whole bunch of acquaintances who are now i will throw myself in front of a car for them one time not multiple times just one i honestly i would pay to have someone drone on and on without stopping for anyone to respond and telling me about all the things they book you know what i mean like mm-hmm. t- literally i've got the time let's do it like i want to hear about your i want to hear you humble brag i don't care anymore i'm just thankful for your presence this is great <laughs> i just want to hear about how you are auditioning from your bedroom yeah <laughs> yes relatable content now it's my favorite <laughs> it's my favorite thing uh, yeah. we so me and my roommates got lucky and we booked a mcdonald's commercial at the last literally last year wait all of you is this a group audition yes so it was what it was like it was last august and they were looking for people who already had potted together which is how like Mm, we all did it okay yeah but literally like set up someone's ipad far away in the living room put four chairs together like we're driving a car to go to mcdonald's (laughs) and pretended (laughs) like also had these people in the like fake zoom audition so they're like directing us we're trying to hear from an ipad speaker they're like and now mcdonald's is on the left and act excited we're like "Ooh, yeah so (laughs) the improv troupe of it all the the thespian states of it all truly the black box theater of it all this was that is the chairs to the be the chairs. car the chairs yes. you got to do the whole thing you're giving one act festival for this mcdonald's commercial i i'm so glad you all got booked you really committed creatively to the to the mise-en-scene to the story <laughs> you know it was gorgeous it was and we have a whole wall of uh knockoff keith herring things behind us so they know we're gay <gasps> I love finding ways to signal that mm. you're, you know, and, but like, they're not going to ask. And sometimes they're like, you're open to share your LGBTQ plus identity during the audition if you'd like. And I'm not going to be like, hi, my name is Gabe Gonzalez. I'm 5'6". I live in New York and I'm a faggot. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> like that's my slate. Yeah. yeah, I just open with me sucking on a dildo, and then I put it away, yes. and then I keep the same resonance to sing. That's great, though. It really shows off the physical work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's important. It's really important in acting. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's very good. Oh, all right, Gabe. Let's learn a little bit about you. Where are you from? Oh Jesus! Oh wow! Oh. Let's. I'm still learning about me. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so I was born in Orlando in Central Florida, and I lived most of my life in a really small town, like east of Orlando, called Oviedo, Florida. Um, it you know it used to be a lot of like weird dirt roads, and then I don't know, you know, in the early 2000s, they just started building crazy amounts of neighborhood, and people ran over deer a lot, and then you know the deer were gone, which is great. That's what Florida does. Um, and our downtown area was also um, it's known for a very unique phenomenon, the Oviedo chickens. Um, I talk about this all the time, and I'm sure people have probably already heard about it. But I love talking about this shit. There were like these semi-feral chickens in like the quote-unquote downtown area of Oviedo, and the downtown was like in intersection with like a baptist church a consignment store a gas station and a popeyes mm-hmm. and the feral chickens no fucking joke would hang out uh, like lining the drive through of the popeyes so growing up i always assumed that popeyes had live chickens on the premises to like make the i assumed these feral chickens were part of the popeyes experience and they were not they were just hanging outside a chicken place and it was really bleak um it was also i'm pretty <laughs> sure like the gas station was called like come and go or Quick oh, Stop yeah. or something like that so you know just like Uh, The chickens really informed my sense of humor. The gas station awoke my sexuality. You know, even in small town central Florida, you can find you can find your yourself. (laughs) That was Um, that was gorgeous. The whole story. That's my upbringing. Yeah. Um, I am the oldest of three, which means my parents were the most strict on me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like my sister got away with a lot. Um, I did not. Um, And yeah, I spent a bunch of my time in Tampa. Now my family all lives in Tampa, Florida um it's weird they're very close to st petersburg that has like a dolly museum and every time I'm, i go i'm like the fucking weirdo of my family so they're like gabe have you been to the dolly museum lately do you want to go i feel like you'd love him and i'm like yeah i know we've talked about this like i've been three times like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I got yeah it. i've seen the college oh. poster i've seen the melting clocks of course yeah 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 <laughs> i am also the oldest sibling i only have i have one sister um She's currently, like, leaps and bounds ahead of me in, like, life things. Like, she got married. She has a doctorate. Like, things like that. Um, But I also will just always remember how mad I was that she technically got a cell phone earlier in her life. Or, like, got to... I had to wait to be 13 to see PG-13 movies, which was kind of an odd choice. But (laughs) uh, she didn't. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, put the one other person in it? in a different room right of course yeah it's like you're gonna go see paw patrol 2 while we go watch i don't know yeah no that's not happening like we're all watching charlie's angels you can just come watch it <laughs> yes please pokemon the first movie that's yes. what it might have been back then yeah yeah there we go oh my god that was my 10th birthday actually that was a memorable experience yeah <laughs> my my sweet mother because you would get a pokemon card when you oh, went yeah. mm-hmm. and that christmas my mom had gone to the theater in my mind as a kid my mom saw the movie enough times for this to happen but in (laughs) actuality she probably went to the theater and just said can i get one of all of the cards yes that's the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was really nice but as a child i was like oh my god my mom went to the pokemon movie like 12 times for me (laughs) 
you know the employees at the movie theater were like look i'm so sorry that this stunt is even happening ma'am take all the cards yeah <laughs> live your best life you know just truly oh god i did get out of pokemon after the original 150 151 i definitely held on for a while but i feel like by the third generation like when they peak they like went over 300 i was like this is I, you can't even fit all of them in a single game anymore. We can't. This is unsustainable. I can't do this. It, yeah, I like when they come up on uh, Twitter because I just think they're funny. They're just funny looking. Oh, they're great. Now they're just like really. Ooh, ooh. I'm so sorry. Can I be right back? Yeah. This is where Gabe left me alone on my own podcast. god you're fit fitness i know my calves look great there you go i have to have the rest of my body keep up (laughs) that's all you gotta lead with like all of it all your abs just calves calves first (laughs) calves in it for the calves we'll show calves for for payment you know torso picks they're out calf picks are in calves are the new feet i'm gonna start charging for short shorts calves are the new feet calves are the new feet god God. i hate myself for saying that well you heard it here first everybody (laughs) (laughs) trendsetter trendsetter on the pod seriously okay so what along with being like the weirdo who loves feral chickens in a small Hmm. city florida um when did you realize you were hilarious Oh my god. I I think like I just got really gassed up by my family because I was the only grandchild uh on either side. I was like the first one. Um and I just like really I loved Walter Mercado growing up. Okay. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar uh-huh. with him. Yeah. Just uh truly iconic. Like I saw him on TV and I was like, oh my god, I love this shit. It was like Walter Mercado, like the little mermaid, just like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. really flamboyant, colorful shit growing up, and I was like very, very drawn to that. I don't know if it's because I was gay or like destined to be um, desperate for attention, but I, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, I love that shit. And I remember my grandparents had a fireplace, fireplace in Florida, not a great idea, by the way, we never used it. And the only time I remember something happening in that fireplace is when lightning struck like through the fireplace. What? Oh my God. A chimney in Florida, like ma'am, you, we really should have thought about that before the house was constructed, but it happened. So, um, <laughs> Anyway, the fireplace had this this little, like, landing in front of it, this, like, tile. It looked like a little theater. Like, when I was younger, I was, like, short enough to fit into, like, the, the fireplace, like, step there. And so that would be my fucking theater. And at, like, um, family events, I would make everybody sit in the living room and do some absolute batshit nonsense, like, sing or dance or, like, uh, reenact, like, a soap my mom had been watching. And, and I got to do that because I was the only child. And they were like, oh, my God, yeah, how precious. And by the time there were other grandkids, they were like, sit the fuck down. We have five of you to deal with. Like, eat your damn food and do a show outside for your cousins. Like, <laughs> the magic wore off after a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, but, yeah, I was just never – I don't know. Both my parents are Puerto Rican, and so I think they wanted, like, an athlete. They, like, really wanted, like, you know, some – young little baseball player or just like some yeah like they tried every sport with me and it was just like look i'm like i enjoy singing and dancing and screaming you just like put me in some musical theater and give up the the jig you know what i mean like we really gotta we gotta (laughs) let's lean into our skill set here please because this is not not going well for me (laughs) you gotta pick and choose i uh i played soccer and 
baseball mm. and i got i am a second degree black belt in taekwondo shut up um, wow i only got to senior yellow belt and then i was like fuck this shit like, i can't <laughs> i can't handle that yeah. i <laughs> i don't even know when i express like i did taekwondo for the longest amount of time in my life um and then when i started like high school i picked up an instrument and found theater and i was like i think i'm gonna i'm gonna do this um but mostly because it was like i could do it with people at school and when mm. i was doing taekwondo i was just kind of like the only kid that was there um so basically yeah, i been... mixed you in with adults a lot during taekwondo too yeah. which was always funny to me i was like oh okay like this is great <laughs> basically i gave into social pressure at the tender age yeah. of 12 and i have not stopped <laughs> naturally naturally <laughs> but it is funny when uh because in my mind i like had a fine time playing sports like i was like yeah this is fun whatever um but every once in a while a story or like a photo will come up of me like playing baseball but like oh, sitting in the back um i spit on a kid once my mom literally carried me out of there so maybe sports just weren't for me <laughs> Yeah, they threw you out in one of the far outfield yeah. zones, right? Yeah, 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 same. I was so far away. My parents couldn't even get photos of me. It was great. Well, and I'm a tender 5-4 on a good day now. Oh, And fully. so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm in that way too big t-shirt just, like, walking out there. <laughs> oh, man. God, I, I, yeah, I don't miss that era. No. My parents, like, really stuck with, with basketball, but the first baseball practice I ever went to, my parents fully forced me to do it. Um, and I will never fucking forget this. I show up and they're like, it's everyone's new, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. new on the team. It's some like city league or whatever. And people are just like throwing baseballs back and forth. And I show up and they're like, oh, okay, we're going to put you with this kid, right? They see on paper, like my last name is Gonzalez. They're like, he's Puerto Rican. He's probably real good at baseball, right? So they like throw <laughs> me out there and it ends up being like the coach's son, like the, the best kid on the team. And I'm just like, literally, I have no idea what to do with this mitt. I'm not even sure it's on the right hand. I stand pretty far away from him he throws the ball and it hits me in the head so hard i like fully blacked out for 10 seconds like just like blacked out woke up on the ground and i look up and i open my eyes and the first thing i remember is seeing this kid standing above me and he's just looking down at me and he goes sorry you looked like you were good <laughs> And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to do this for several more months. Fantastic. I can't wait. Just so many layers of nonsense. Honestly, truly, though. like. So then the hit song to break in a glove from Dear Evan Hansen is a little triggering for you. I've never... <laughs> Can I confess? I just, I can't participate in the Dear Evan Hansen discourse because I've never seen or heard it whoa i've never seen or heard it except for the window song of course that was yeah. inescapable i heard that in several taxis and i was like what is this and i figured it out but i've never i've never participated in in the dear evan hansen universe i've seen photos of the new movie that's people have strong feelings people have a lot of strong feelings i mean look yeah. that it's it's a lot i will say i saw it uh this is like saying like i saw hamilton at the public but like i saw dear evan hansen off-Broadway pre-marketing and I was very affected by the story because I got to like mm. come up with my own conclusions after marketing came in and told you that like this is actually about like a kid that's really wonderful it doesn't like read as well but there mm. is they open act two with everyone's favorite song in musical theater a random dad song 
that'll happen. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to break in a glove. <gasps> that? That's the whole what song. Is that a, what is that about? It sounds <laughs> uncomfortable. It, it is. It's several reasons. Yeah, it's not great. Um, oh, God. I'm not going to be winning know. any awards with that song. Okay, great, great, great. Good to hear that. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Thankful. Um, so did you start like doing theater outside your house yeah I think it was like I feel like my teacher strong-armed my mom into it because they were like look we all know what we're dealing with here like you gotta put them into something creative and I remember the first the relatively theatrical thing I did I mean there was like a holiday musical at like the weird private Montessori school my mom put me into in fifth grade it was bad uh, it was strange I think I played the big bad wolf in like a holiday song it was one of those like buy it off the internet for 40 bucks uh kind of thing and there were like 12 of us in it and it was fantastic but I ended up joining this like this group called the Orlando Youth Theater it was OIT and I remember it's like actually where I met some of like I met my best friend uh there her name is Devin um uh, and they live in, um, oh God, they live in Texas now. It's been forever. But that was like my first bestie. We fully never would have met at school. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. But it was like a weird experience there as well. Because it was like, I don't know, there were like four boys. Three of us were were kind of like secretly gay. And then one of them was straight. So there were just like a lot of weird. And we were all in middle school. It was just like, it was chaos and it was messy and it was strange um and we were like downtown you know what i mean they'd send us off on our half hour lunch break and we would like walk to starbucks and feel like adults and then our parents would pick us up in minivans <laughs> um but it was fun you know it was fun we did like we did 42nd street we did like um uh we did little shop it was just like strange because we were just like very small like like recently entering puberty kind of kids mm. so we had no business singing like everyone's voice was changing it was just an utter disaster. Um, I remember playing the lead in 42nd Street, and they're like, you're an, an aging Broadway producer. And I was like, I'm 12 years old, and I'm gay, sir. So I don't know. And I am. I'm gay. Yeah, I'm, and I'm gay. So that's that's the subtext for this adaptation of the musical. We, um, oh my God, what a strange, strange time. So, so weird, right? As, you know, a good child, I waited until I was 19 to come out um mm -hmm. but yeah the whole like and myself included as i was identifying as straight at the time but it would be like we're going on choir trips and like you have to share a bed because you like can't afford anything else and then you'd like cuddle in your sleep but it was fine because we were asleep and you have no control over your body in theory right of course yeah, yeah everyone's asleep yeah 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 <laughs> I was asleep on that band trip for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I wake up fully, just like little spooned to death because that's how you normally sleep and how I normally sleep. <laughs> oh God! Oh. oh God! Do you remember your first gay kiss? Oh my gosh! Oh, that's a good one. I think I. Oh my gosh! When was it? I think it might have been in the ninth grade. I don't know. I feel like there was like a period in like kindergarten and first grade where it's like everyone's just kissing everyone else because you see adults do it. Yeah. And it's like you get in trouble for doing it. And like, I don't think that was like a consciously gay kiss. I think people were just like weird. You know what I mean? We were like yeah. seven years old. But I think the first time I like kissed somebody, like kind of recognizing it for what it was, might have been in ninth grade. I think it was like at a speech and debate tournament at a local high school. Classic. In the bathroom, yeah. Nice. <laughs> it 
was so funny. It was so dramatic. Yeah. Mine was uh, <laughs> while watching the movie Cars. <gasps> Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. So in the theater? No, at oh, my parents' okay. house. So it, th- <laughs> this was like a weird buildup. So it was, just, I know this podcast is about you and we will talk about it. No, you. I, I want to hear <laughs> this. I want to know more about how Cars led to your sexual awakening. <laughs> so, we should talk about this. So yeah. it would, um, and this was like over, I would say at least a month, like me and this boy mm-hmm. would hang out, mm-hmm. watch Cars, eat a full little Caesar's pizza and wings. And then just like, as cars was happening, just like inch closer to each other. So that like by the end you are on top of each other, but you don't like really Mm -hmm. know like when or why. Um, And he was, who knows? (laughs) And he was out and I wasn't. Oh, the plot thickens. Plot thickens. Great. great. How old were you watching cars by the way? Oh, too old. I was 15 okay yeah there, you weren't watching the movie there's no. a reason the cars was turned on <laughs> come on so Ugh. we would inch closer and closer and closer and let's say over a month this had happened and uh he kissed me and then of course my whole world changed and i sang ring of keys before it was even written <gasps> and uh that's a song i do know there that's you go. a song i know yeah 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 um but then i remember my mom came home one time and we were like laying on top of each other on the couch and she didn't say anything and then uh later like after this boy left was like hey ryan like it's okay if if like you have feelings for this person or like if you're gay or whatever like this beautiful wonderful mom moment and i just literally go i'm not gay i'm comfortable with my sexuality and like storm out whoa she why gave she you gave... like a little runway yeah <laughs> she, oh she gave me all the clues oh i guess <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the movie cars will forever be uh, oh that's <laughs> sweet though that's such a sweet reaction that's much better than what my mom did my mom found i think she i mean you know moms always know they, they always, always know. know but it's this game where you where i you know i didn't I pretended not to. She she pretended not to. But I remember one summer I went to like a camp and she found a text from a boy on my phone after that summer camp. And I did the same thing. I was like, it's just how we all talk. Like we're all comfortable with each other. I'm comfortable. But she like fully threw a shoe at my bedroom door and there was like a hole in it. And she was like, you're fixing that. And I was like, wait, hold on. (laughs) I have to fix the homophobic damage. Like, no, no. Literally a metaphor for my life, yeah. You think I'm gay, so you want me to fix this door? Fix fix the heel you threw through my door? Man, these are gay antics. You can't you you can't suppress a gay son with gay antics. It doesn't work. You're like, I don't really remember my first kiss, but I do know my first gay antic. I do know the first shoe my mom threw at me. Oh, delightful. <laughs> no, we're I mean, we're so much better now. It's like wild leaps and bounds. That was a different that was a different period in both our lives. That shit sucked. That's, but yeah. Yeah, it's a different period in the whole world. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. These kids just get to they don't get to live the hard life like we whatever. Like it, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> You didn't have to deal with going to the Oviedo marketplace in your mom's van and sneaking into the back row of a movie with your... Oh, God. When did you uh, come up to New York? Um, I think it was right after college, actually. It's funny. The plan was to move to Chicago, actually. I had... Oh, God. Instead of taking a semester off, I took a semester to go to Second City. So, like... (laughs) 
Technically, I was like, yeah. I could have gone to Madrid, but instead I went to Chicago uh, for a semester. Uh, but it actually, it was really great. And I think that's where I started doing um, sketch comedy. I was an improv group in college, but like that, you know, I mean, it's college improv. It's, you know, you have a, I don't know, you've got a fun group of people to play with, but I think it's, uh, it's kind of that starting point for everybody, right? I think, I don't know, it's weird. Improv has this like stigma the older you get that I think is really unfair because it's mostly done by college students. <laughs> yeah. But I will say it's like, you know, I, I now, now beyond it, I like kind of recognize the trope of bad college improv because I was definitely, I'm so sorry that I participated in and perpetuated that, that I was complicit in it. <laughs> but it was really fun. And then, you know, I went to, I was like, I want to do different types of comedy. I want to learn how to like, write and and do characters and shit so i did this like semester long program at second city i don't think it exists the way it is anymore i think it's like now like its own like year-long program or maybe a i don't know a whole like degree but it, they called it comedy studies and it was just like uh one semester at second city just doing like acting improv writing classes um we'd have to bring in like news articles and create like sketches or like fake desk pieces or like characters based off stuff uh there that's so, like that class was uh honed in on satire a lot we had a clowning class it was wild taught by like the most beautiful like comedian slash yoga instructor and then her hot husband would come in sometime and it was just like oh it was wild it was crazy that was the craziest class i was like clowns and she was like not circus clowns like french clowns oh like we're traditional clowning and i was like whoa 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 all right and then the assignment was just like get on the red line and watch a baby for half an hour and report on what you saw and i was like what And everybody, everybody was like, we were so surprised that babies don't break eye contact and their face is just loose and relaxed. And then she was like, aha. And we were like, (gasps) and that was, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the teachable moment. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The foundation of clowning, truly. Um, But it was fun. It was fucking great. And it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, I can write sketch for stage. I can write sketch for TV. Like, I know how to put together, like, a five minute character bit and, like, the arc of a sketch and how to you know, like the roots of satire and like how to execute political satire. We had a whole fucking history of comedy class um, and it focused on TV and performance, but we went from like vaudeville to like web series in like the early, it was really fucking cool. Um, And that's, I think the moment where I was like, okay, I really want to, I want to go down this path. I was like, I know I kind of like, I'm, I'm acting, I'm doing comedy, I'm writing. I'm a, I'm, I was also like in a a film production track in college at the time. So I was like, I have all these creative things I want to do, but that's when I was like, okay, I want to do this. So the plan was to move to Chicago and then I went back to college and then I had this ex and we were like on again, off again. And then he moved to New York and I was like, fuck him. Like I'm going to move to New York and show him I can make it. And then also like New York was just easier to move to from where I was. I was in Rhode Island. So I was like, I don't really have the money to get to Chicago right now. I know friends in New York that I can crash with. So I just got here. No, I went to Brown. Okay. But I remember, yeah, I uh, had a bunch of friends at URI. I had friends at Johnson and Wales, Ooh. which was JWU downtown. And then there was a culinary school there as well. I think it was the culinary school at JWU, but there was also like another one. I was born um, in Providence. So all of my. Oh my God, no way. Yeah. yeah. I dated my... a kid that went to RISD for like my freshman and sophomore year, and that was a disaster. But that was a choice. <laughs> that was a choice. I know it was. We've it really all was. seen Wedding Crashers. We know. We do know. That was an accurate <laughs> and true portrayal. Uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> it really was uh, oh i love it that sounds so cool though like i i mean the pandemic sucks years from you but i literally was like 28 and was like you know what i'm gonna actually like do the comedy i'm gonna write i'm gonna yeah. do the thing 
because like I just came from like very like traditional like you're gonna do theater I love musical theater that's still what I make my money with but like yeah. everything that was told to me about being funny was just kind of told in a way that like you can't like make it yourself it's not like palpable mm-hmm. to make you just wait I guess until somebody does that and I got <laughs> tired of that and I got yeah. tired of being at people's parties and being like the clown essentially um, sure, yeah because uh, if I'm gonna do that you can pay me and right. uh so yes. that at least a drink ticket at least at least <laughs> god yeah for sure i brought two friends um <laughs> don't every party is a bringer yeah <laughs> don't do those by the way anybody um, i hate that it's yeah. the worst it doesn't nah, i'm too old for that shit um but that sounds incredible so you felicitied your way to new york i honestly i did yeah. i really that's i did felicity my way to new york and i made some poor hair choices along the way as well oh. so you know it all pans out um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know i, I think i came here because it was like I don't know. Maybe I hate to admit it, but I think it's because I didn't need to make a decision. If I moved to Chicago, I was like, I'm pursuing theater and comedy. But when I moved to New York, the game plan was like, okay, I'm going to get a job in like media or journalism during the day, like some sort of video journalism or or video production during the day, which is like what I studied and know how to do. Um, And then at night, I'm going to be a great famous comedian and everyone's going to love me. (laughs) And what ended up happening is that I didn't have a job for five months. Mm -hmm. And then I also like, I didn't really have a home either. I, um, it was this really, so like college, college was like great and illuminating in a lot of ways, but it was also really frustrating. My parents were going through a divorce. Uh, during the divorce, our, like my childhood home was foreclosed. And so it's like, I couldn't really go home. And then like, I wasn't speaking to my dad. As far as I know, I think he had moved to a different state at that point. And my mom had basically moved back to Puerto Rico, like kind of trying to like get away from my dad, but also like going back to where she grew up. And so it's not that I, I, like, I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't not have housing. Like, you know, during holidays, I could always go to, like, a grandma's house or, like, an aunt and uncle's house and stay for a few days. But I didn't, you know what I mean? It was, like, all my friends were, like, I'm going back to my childhood home. Like, look at my old stuff. And I was, like, half of my shit was thrown out because nobody came back to get it because the divorce was contentious. And the other half is, like, my grandma's, uh, you know, like, attic. And so, like, I don't know. That was, like, really uh, kind of frustrating for a little bit. And so that... um, I don't know. It was weird. I felt uh, kind of all over the place and just like very scattered. Um, and I felt like I didn't have any option but to like, like make it in the city I had chosen to. Right. Like literally, I can't go back to live with my grandma. I can't move with my mom to Puerto Rico because like she's living with a partner and it's not even her home. I will. Yeah, I can't move in with my father. So I was like, OK, like we got to make this work. I think my brother was living with a teacher at the time. My sister was like living with my grandma. It was like a really tumultuous era. And I think I just kind of like cut off that. I was like, that's not an option. We got to like make this work. And so I think not necessarily out of desperation, but because I found myself looking in unique places for work, I landed the fucking craziest gig of my life, which was my first uh, semi full-time job. It turned into a full-time job with like benefits. Uh, but it was editing porn for a gay porn studio. Okay. Like, literally, I was like, my degree is in film production and editing. <laughs> so, um, you know, with a dash of, like, postmodern film theory. Oh, yes. Oh, like, yeah. You know, that liberal arts degree. Um, I was wondering why my so, porn got really weird in the, like, babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes. For sure. For sure. It was truly, it was uh, cinema verite. You know mm, what yes, I mean? Yes, Just yes, throw yes. some men in a room and see what happens. Um, no, God. Um, but it was, it was wild. It was like really, really wild. And, and that was like, oddly enough, how I ended up like connecting to and finding 
uh, places to perform in nightlife. Um, Cause I couldn't afford fucking UCB classes. I had taken out a loan to pay for second city while I was in college. And I got here and they were like, that doesn't count. You have to start over. And I was like, I don't have the money for that. Like <laughs> I don't have the money or the time. And guess I'm what baby, like, you're closed yeah. now and I'm still working. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. It started feeling like a pyramid scheme. And I was like, I just literally don't have the time or money. I was like, I have a full-time job. I'm freelancing at night. I'm editing crazy shit. I just like couldn't. And so I was like, I, I felt like I didn't have the time to find a creative outlet. I feel like I had chosen the job to survive. And then I was like, how am I going to figure this out? But babe, you meet porn stars and sex workers and they're going to know drag queens who are going to invite you to a show and you're going to see some amazing incredible comedy and then that you know what i mean yeah like, queer nightlife is such a beautiful smattering of just like dancers performers uh, uh burlesque folks uh comedians drag queens musicians and suddenly I, I it was like there was everything right there and i was like this is the shit i'm looking for right like i wasn't looking for the theater where i needed to take classes like I was looking for the community. And so I think I'm kind of thankful I landed the porn gig because yeah. I think I found, I just found a, a new way to kind of see comedy. And it was just like, I don't know, it was really exciting time. Like uh, I got to see some really incredible artists before they like fucking blew up. Like John Early and Kate Berlant performing in just like tiny hole in the wall spaces. Like Julio Torres and like the back room of a cafe in Greenpoint, like forever ago, like, before Melania's diary was like a sketch on SNL, just watching him test out those lines, not knowing it's going to be like, it was really cool. I, I got to see some crazy drag acts too that I never would have seen. Like one of the first people I saw live was Christine, which fucking blew my mind. I don't know if you're familiar with this performer. Just really, it's kind of just like shock and camp and like a little bit of gore and just some great unexpected humorous turns. It was like some of the grotiest drag I've ever seen, but also some of the most inspiring and, and just like cathartic. Uh, it was just like, uh, I don't know. It's just like a, uh, that was I think that was almost a better way to enter uh, the world of comedy. Right. Because the expectations suddenly weren't, oh, I've got to like go do this audition and take this class and know this person and, and do it this way. It was like, hey, like here's an open slot tonight like you've got to entertain people who are seated, here to see a drag show so they don't really you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, want yeah. to see comedy but good luck and have some fun and so it's like you i tried different things right i would try characters i would try um you know reading from like fake journal entries as like a character i did end up kind of like creating a sort of stand-up set with some like visual cues and then like that led to like you know getting booked on shows where I was like, okay, we need like five to 10 minutes of, of proper standup. And I was like, okay, like how can I adapt these bits and these ideas? Sorry, this is a very long tangent, but it's like flooding I love back it. to yeah. me. Um, and I haven't been outside in so long. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I don't know. It's kind of a wild time, but that really just uh, kept me afloat for my first few years here, which was really nice. You know, just finding people who will um, send you the right way or hook you up with like, I don't know, uh, a free clinic yeah, where you need to yeah. get tested I mean, yeah. or like invite you over for dinner. Like, fuck, it was great. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was a really exciting and chaotic and scary time. All of those things at once, I think. It's just like, I mean, because 98% of what you learn about being queer, you learn on the go because it's just not going to be taught yeah. to you, right? Yeah. Uh, besides, in my experience as well, nightlife and that's what's been so interesting to me um, in this summer of we can go out, we can be around people. And it's the first like summer, summer. So I stopped drinking two years ago 
Oh, awesome. Um, but this is my first, like, in a lot of ways, people are like, oh, it must have been so hard not to drink in the pandemic. And I'm like, it's actually kind of easier because I didn't have, like, any other, like, I wasn't at a bar. I wasn't at a thing. Um, I wasn't in these spaces that I was used to doing these types of behaviors. Um, but just, like, the importance of being in a room full of people who identify as queer individuals and who let mm. other people create things is just i can't say how special and important that is for your life and for any kind of creatives and like as i was sitting there being like okay i think i want to try doing this i want to try making something else happen i didn't have to immediately think i'm gonna go to ucb which like no mm -hmm. fault to anybody who did that it's just like i have a full degree i have all of the things in me to understand how to make a joke or to create something i just need space and practice to get structure totally yeah and like i just don't see that reflected in other spaces besides queer spaces yeah um it's just beautiful in my opinion yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the magic of it, right? That there are always alternate paths, pathways to something. And I think, you know, there are there are the very popular paths that that seem a little more tried and true. But um, I think that is so true of, of queer spaces. I think some of the best talent that we've seen kind of like, quote unquote, blow up or explode or make it in the past few years have like been folks from these spaces, right? These kind of unconventional um, performers who kind of dare to think outside the box um, or like take up. I don't know, a format um, or a genre and bend it and twist it uh, to something that excites them, right? Not something they think is going to like get them a TV show, but literally just something that excites them, right? Like, and it's fun. You can kind of tell those performers that that um, take joy in their projects rather than sort of, um, I don't know, feel the pressure of of an industry. Um, and, you know, sometimes that changes and that shifts over time. But I, yeah, I think just it's been so really lovely to see how supportive um, not just queer comics, but queer performers and queer people in nightlife in the city are. Um, and so I think it's like a nice, I don't know, a refuge for folks who are kind of just like trying to figure out where they are creatively or emotionally and mentally or like in life, I don't know, or whatever. Right. Um, it was definitely my kind of safety net for a really long time. I think the folks that I, I found in those early nightlife days when I first moved here are, are, they feel like family sort of, and you know, they, they move or you move and they kind of dip in and out of your life, but it's always a kind of thing where it's like, when you reconnect with somebody, it's like, you just pick up where you left off and it's really nice. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've been talking about this for a little bit, but I do have to ask you the question of the podcast, mm -hmm. Gabe, which is why are you like this? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh my God. If I could afford a therapist, I could probably answer that. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I know why I'm like this, right? The the really <laughs> fucking messy twists and turns. Um, the trauma, the mm-hmm. sex, the creative moments of inspiration, you know, those those transcendent. Write, write that down. That's a good tag. Yes, That's a good yeah, tag yeah, on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know. I think I'm like this because I I I don't I've always been like this. Oh God. Because I was born this way. <laughs> I mean that is that is yeah, a special it. way to be. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people don't get to be who they are for forever true that is so so true yeah 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 because i was also a late comer outer but you know we we figured it out you make up time like 18 19 yeah as well yeah for sure yeah is that late lord i mean it was that thing where i was like my friends knew but i was like okay i have to tell my family like i gotta Mm -hmm. yeah It was that kind of, you know, yeah. I didn't have a Cars friend, so I just had the the gals in the musical theater department. <laughs> oh Lord! Do you still talk to the Cars friend? I'm uh, sorry, not to turn it no, on you. I now, do. But yeah. Um, he got married. He, <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he got married. So beautiful. Um, they do cruise ship work together. They live their best life. Shut up! Are they like dancers? Are they actors? They're What's like their... singers who move. Ooh, okay. They're they're great for a cruise ship, yeah. babe. You just need a strong center of balance and uh, know how to flex that diaphragm, and you're set. You know what I mean? But yeah, they're still they're still uh, in my life. Um, it's great. I like looking back, especially because like in my like my friend Trevor was out, and he's mm-hmm. been my best friend forever. And the the like rest of us weren't. But now, if I it, when we all meet up and see each other, it's literally like everyone's gay so like somehow we found each other oh i love that um and still are friends um which is really kind of beautiful but yeah as i look around and i'm like wait a minute did we all know yeah y'all just felt the vibes we felt the vibes you just felt the vibes <laughs> yeah it's very sisterhood of the traveling pants kind of yes you know what i mean mm-hmm. we all found the right fit eventually I... <laughs> honestly loved those books so much <laughs> when i saw america for america Ferrera is the whole reason i watched that film when she but... throws the brick through the house oh yes marsha p johnson is shaking no i'm kidding <laughs> america Ferrera threw the first brick <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> 
It's better than the twink of the what oh, was it? The Roland god. Emmerich movie? Is that who it was? Oh god. At this uh. Uh, speaking of queer spaces, it's not hard to do the history right. It's not that old. Well, it's not the whole brick <laughs> thing too is fucking made up. I yeah, not to go on a tangent, but Shane O'Neill, are, do you know Shane? Mm-mm. Shane O'Neill sometimes goes by Shane Shane while performing. Did an incredible um, video for the New York Times about how the the sort of mythos we create surrounding you know these moments in queer history that are sort of just passed on through oral history or or like storytelling because they're not you know codified as history in any realm of academia. So this whole idea of like Marsha throwing the brick or the shot glass is in and of itself kind of um, almost a legendary exaggeration of the moment because um, I think years later they did an interview with a lot of uh, queer elders who were like present at Stonewall. Or were there in the aftermath, and it's funny because a lot of firsthand accounts credit um, this butch lesbian named Stormy Delavier as like the first person who fought back against police, who was like being detained and like punched a cop when when they were uh, violent toward her. And so it's interesting because you know, like all we have are are these accounts of people, right? Mm-hmm. All we have are like I remember it this way, I remember it this way, I remember it this way, right? And like some of those folks are are still alive, like. Uh, Miss Major, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stormy was alive until not so long ago. And so it's like wild because there's so many people who are there. And even then, you know, there, there are these small like moments of like, I don't know, fictive connecting that we do in our brains. It's like it might have happened that way. And it sort of just becomes canon. Right. And so it's like weird because like it's not wrong. You know, the Marsha Brick story isn't wrong. It's just a different uh journey toward that kind of yeah like, moment i guess you know it's it's factually incorrect but it's not wrong you know what i'm saying like well because it, it's i mean it, and it doesn't take yeah it doesn't take away from the leadership that like, no, 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 like no. her or sylvia provided in the aftermath of that moment but it's wild because we just want to lump everything together and make it easy right like this is the icon this was the moment this is what happened and it's trickier than that for sure yeah absolutely well and it's also built for straight audiences to have that written down fully right yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. it's like mm-hmm it's easier for NBC to say it's pride month uh, and we are going to remember Stonewall um, right. and no. then tell <laughs> a, a quick, like, that's it. And then here's yeah. a bar. Um, yeah. And then gays got rights and that's it. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like the love Simon of it all. Like it, it the, like things are being made for straight audiences and I, I don't think it's bad because I mean, you, have to create understanding somehow but like finding things that are for us and of the queer community and what our history is specifically is rather difficult because like you said it's really just passed down stories currently yeah it's been really tricky i'm i'm very thankful for like a lot of um academics and writers who have been like combing through information that has never you know been I kind of I think maybe entered the mainstream or has always been like locked away in a library or like behind a JSTOR account you know what I mean like (laughs) that's happening so much more these days and like the monthly show I'm doing at at caveat is kind of that right it's like Mm -hmm. I bring in queer comics but I also like playing um sort of uh trivia games or games focused on like kind of aspects of history that people might not know about that are maybe sometimes a little messy or kind of inappropriate or like not the thing you were told um but I think like in the last year or two, because, you know, I used to do similar work with the, the Scruff uh, show as well, like, you know, finding bits of that was more like pop culture and current events. Um, but even then, like finding stuff is like so piecemeal. But I've seen an increasing amount of people focused on queer and trans history lately, like doing the work or being like, look at this newspaper article I found that shows like a drag ball happening in Washington, D.C. in the late 1800s. Like no one's ever seen this before. Like little things like that that are just so cool to stumble across and uh, I don't know. 
yeah you just don't even realize you assume that like gay people or queer people or trans people don't exist because you're never taught about them in school and then suddenly it's like hi they're everywhere and they've been around for forever <laughs> like yeah. it's just not you know um and i think the number of states that prohibit explicitly talking about uh queer and trans people uh, has diminished in the past few years but i think there are still four or five where they outright ban the mention of lgbtq people in in public schools which is like abhorrent and ridiculous to me it's just sad. It's so fucking i just you just can't like i don't know it's wild how much history has been erased because it's not like straight white men it's so fucking wild right and now we have to go back and dig for it and pray that there's something left from like yeah know, like after uh just yeah go back dig for it and then like fight for laws to get it taught to people when it's just like or we could just teach it to people right like it happened whether or not you want to like talk to people it happened it happened happened. jesus we all have those moments in our lives i gave away all my money in a telephone scam it happened just move (laughs) on (laughs) we won't include it in the history books but it will go down for posterity (laughs) um the the show you hosted caveat is called velvet scare correct oh no it's a lavender scare. lavender scare I got yes, Velvet very Rage much inspired by oh, Velvet Rage, Lavender Scare. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There was also the Lavender Menace, which is what a, a group of lesbians uh, named themselves, I think, in the 80s, I want to say. Cheers. Maybe it was earlier than that. But yeah, the Lavender Scare was that era in like the 50s. It's like very closely tied with like McCarthyism, where they were just like firing queer people from the government because they were like, they're a threat to national security. And like, I don't know, it's like that whole myth of like queer people being messy and unreliable. And well, like, even is that the ones... a myth? Is that a myth? Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> But I'm like, bitch, even the ones that put on a suit and tie for you, you were still, like, too faggoty. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I, they would have ugh, hated a Pete Buddha judge back then cool, for different reasons than some of us do now. But, um, uh, yeah. God. It's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. And I, I think it's a period of time that I think shows the limits of uh, sort of assimilation, right? Like, you can... You can do the whole marriage thing. You can dress the way you want. Like it's just uh, catering to people is not going to erase their bigotry. I think the only way to do that is is through education and, and equity. Um, so you know, I'm glad that we're in an era where people feel like they don't need to like be buttoned up and and play straight just to get fired for being gay anyway. Like it's right. like you tried. They still they don't care. You're still gay. They still hate it. But um, I don't know. And so you know, I think about moments like that and sort of like what it must mean to people who were maybe adults in that era or grew up in that era to like, you know, we all know the limits of representation and that oftentimes it's like abused and um, used instead of like practical solutions. But I think sometimes it is nice to kind of look back and be like, okay, very little incremental progress was made, but there's a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not entirely hopeless, uh, but we need to keep demanding better as well. God. Amen. Yes. Well, Gabe, as we are winding down the pod, I asked this of all of my guests. Do you have any questions for me? Ooh, yes. Okay. Um, do you remember your first stand-up show after deciding you were going to write stand-up? Yeah, I did really well. You did? Yeah. Ooh, tell me about it. What was the <laughs> venue? What was like, like walk me through the night. Um, I literally did it at um, on February 2020. Oh, okay. So it already was a night where people were like making COVID jokes. Sure, yes. They're like, okay, it yeah. exists. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and it was um, on the Lower East Side. I think it was Stand Up NY. Oh, cute. Um, Mike Knight. Mm-hmm. And 
I just, I got up, I started talking about my mom's love of decorating with signs, um, oh. and ended with how I, uh, <laughs> spit on my best friend for the first time and <sighs> crushed. It wasn't during the McDonald's uh, audition? No, different audition, oh, okay. different time. All right. Ah, oh, different audition. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, different great. Time. We love that. Um, and in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm so, so happy and grateful that it went well. Um, I don't think it would have deterred me in any way, uh, mostly because I was in my late 20s. So it's just like a different vibe. I don't like have like, I have a stronger sense of self than I did at 22. But yeah, I was hooked, man. I just like, it's fun. I just like talking to people. And so if you're (laughs) gonna like, let me talk to people while you paid to do it, like, thank God. Yes. Paid to talk to people and then also tell them to shut the fuck up if they respond. That's my favorite yeah. part, right? Like, some comedians will do crowd work and some comedians will be like, this is my 10, ma'am. Like, this is an interactive. And I, I kind of love those moments. <laughs> You're my favorite. I love it. I love, I oh, God. I love, <laughs> oh, like, so good. a strong, this is me telling you a story. And, like, you can laugh because this is a comedy show, but it better not overlap. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there, it, the vibe is, this isn't for you, it's for me. And I'm like, you know what? Go off, go right? Like, not every show, not every show can be for them. Sometimes you need a show for you. We don't That's get to talk funny. out loud that often. We text <laughs> all the time. Oh, oh man. man, I do love that. But, yeah. Getting back in, where you just realize, oh yeah, this person hasn't spoken aloud all day. It's wild. It's, it's crazy. Really, really wild. Hey, that's when those vocal warm ups from our theater past come in handy, ma'am. Buzzin, buzzin, when I've been sitting home alone. And I've got an audition in a half an hour, and I literally haven't spoken to anybody else the entire day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and say some weird things on my couch before I turn that Zoom call on. You know what I mean? I constantly am saying weird things on my couch. Yes, yes. Every shade of leather. Every, every shade. Every shade. Every shade. Oh gosh, I could talk to you forever. This has been so fun. Thank you for being on Same. the pod. Thanks for having me, Ryan. This has been a blast. Uh, where can the children find you? The children, um, hopefully eighteen plus. Uh, <laughs> yes, the grown-up people, the grown-up children, uh, millennials, forever, forever children in the eyes of the masses. Yeah. Those millennials going to college. I was like, babe, we're all thirty. Some of us are pregnant. I don't know what to tell you. Like, friends are divorced. Like, they're yeah. good. Seriously, yeah. I have yes. It's like millennials are divorced and married for the second time. Yeah. Come on now. But they love that um, avocado toast. Truly, they d- don't we? Don't we? No. Okay, where can you find me? Yeah, let me not go off on another tangent here. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a website. Uh, the website is gabeis.gay. It's one of my favorite domain names ever. I'm so pleased that I found it. I was going to do gabe.gay. It was very expensive, oh, um, okay. but I like the statement better. Um, it just So that's gabeis.gay. It'll be really lovely. I'm updating it with some new shit soon, so hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll, we'll have a little something. And that was just a brief glimpse into how Gabe writes. Yes, truly. Yep, yep, yep. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the cheapest option to really get to the punchline is what i want yeah um and then you can also follow me on twitter or instagram which i use less frequently um using the handle gay bones g-a-y-b-o-n-e-z that is a nickname in college i never thought i'd have to use professionally but Mm -hmm. i made them my handles and sealed my fate forever and ever amen forever and ever there's like six people in the world who will find that that handle funny and they're all married and have kids now, so. Well, <laughs> actually, most of them are, not all of them. <laughs> Some just got dogs. It's fine. It's a different kind of marriage. Fully, fully. fully. Oh, gosh. Well, Gabe, thank you again so much. This has been a wonderful treat. And until next time, y'all, bye. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.